Welcome in to another episode of Kimboology, as I got roped into another intro here. But here we go. It's going to be a good one. I just listened to it, and I just edited it. This is your producer here, the Rick Dog Network. You're listening to episode 131. Unbelievable for Kimboology. She has a special guest, the Pleasure Coach. It's my pleasure to introduce Miss Kiana Lewis. And yours truly, bring it to the stage, Kim. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to Kimboology. I am really excited. I have a guest for us this episode. Um, This wonderful human being is actually one of my students. Uh, They started coming to me and taking my classes. And then I just saw their profile and I was like, wait, Naman. I need to talk to them on the show. So, guess can you introduce yourself to the guest, to all the listeners? <laughs> yes, that was great. My name is Kiana Lewis. I use she and they pronouns. I'm a pleasure mentor. I'm a sex educator. And what I always say is like somebody who will dance with you anywhere, anytime, in the club, in the streets, in your home, outside your car. So, that's, a, that's me. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Well, you know, we... <laughs> One of my uh, AKAs is twerking on your daddy's couch. So (laughs) I think that's very on brand for the listeners. So Kiana, thank you so, so much, guys. Yeah, obviously this is going to be a masturbate segment because we have a pleasure mentor, aka sex educator on the show to what? To school us on many things because I know I need your guidance and I'm sure many (laughs) of us listeners, uh, the listeners also agree. But um, question first and foremost is like, um, kind of like, just like, how did you get into this? Like, how did you want to become, or, or, or was it by kind of like accident? Like, how did you go about becoming a pleasure mentor? Mm-hmm. First, I want to say, I love that you were like, I need your guidance because I also get your guidance when I go to your class. So I'm like, I love reciprocal things. So this Come on now. Come is on. wonderful for me. Um, how did I get here? Yeah. I mean, it's slightly random, but I've, I've always been on this sex education path, but it just took multiple different turns. I was a women's and gender studies major at DePaul. That put me around the right people, around the right professors, and had me working at the Women's Center. And I was like, okay, I see the type of people I want to work with. I see the things that I care about. How do I make that a job though? Because it very much seemed like a dead end after college. Um, But I did multiple like wonderful internships because we're just in the best city in the whole world. So there was a lot of great people and organizations to work with. So I started the nonprofit route. And I was like, I want to do sex education with youth. I did have sex ed in high school, but it wasn't very great. I know people had no sex ed in high school. So it mattered a lot to me. I thought I could do a corrective experience, not just for myself, but for other people. So I felt really passionate about that and working with people who don't feel like they have autonomy over their body yet, but absolutely do. And somebody just needs to tell them that. So I started doing that in college and after college. But the nonprofit route sometimes a little limiting still because you will still be working with CPS or with other schools who will limit 
what you can say, how you can say things. I mean, I don't know if you've ever, ever seen any comment section of any social media post online that talks about youth and sex education. It's brutal. Like adults hate that shit out here. Like it's constantly severely policed. And so I was like, "Mm, this world's a little hard. Uh, I think I want to switch to adults. Um, there's a lot more freedom with who I can talk to, how Hi, I can Kitty. say things. This is Luna. She will be here. Hi, the whole Luna. Time. <laughs> oh, we love a kitty on this show. George, my cat Georgie's somewhere around here. There's a yes. chair he might join us with. But oh, well, hello, Luna. Welcome to the show. Sorry, yeah, we continue. can have a little play day. She's a little black Scorpio cat. I a Scorpio. Come on. Oh, she's yes I love that. Yes, love that she's you. spicy. <laughs> yeah, I, I switched to adults because I realized adults either didn't get sex ed or just because you turn 18 doesn't mean that you stop learning about yourself and your body and your sexuality and your relationship. So actually, there's a need for this everywhere, including with my damn self. And I swear to God that we teach what we need. And so I needed a lot of things. So I started teaching the things. And I am I'm a millennial gen z cusp so i know social media well i know the internet well and i love that you said a millennial gen z (laughs) cusp because that's like that's perfect well that's kind of nice then you get two perspectives like you know like the gen z perspective and then the millennial i mean i'm a millennial i'm 34 years old so Mm -hmm. but i definitely feel like i can relate a lot to gen z and like love gen z for many things but i love yeah I feel that. Also, what's your sign? Can you break down your sign for us too? Yes, yes. So I don't, okay, the short answer is that I do not follow tropical astrology, which is like the astrology that everybody follows. It's the Western astrology. Um, It's like religion. Like there's multiple religions out there, but when you grow up thinking this is the only one and then you're like, oh my God, there's so many different ways to believe in something. There's multiple different kinds of astrology. So I follow Side reel, sidereal, some people pronounce it differently, um, astrology, and that changed my chart a bit. And when I finally, really? yes, and when I read this chart, Kimbo, I was like, I get astrology now. Like, I relate to this. Wait, I need to do this too. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I love that you're, I love that you just said that there's many different part, t- types of astrology, just like religions. Cause like, I can, I, I didn't really know. I'm ignorant to that. Like I, I kind of assumed it was just kind of straightforward, but yeah. So what does that mean then? So your charts are, your, your placements are different. Yes. Like, okay. The, your, your signs will either be the same or one before, like one off, like they're not going to drastically change. And it doesn't mean that every single one of them will change, but it's likely that you will not have the same chart. And I just never really identified fully with my first chart, but I was like, okay, I guess this is astrology. And I really did love the concept of it, believed that, you know, we have some kind of connection to something that's happening up there. But once I found this other type, I was like, ah, this is me. So I go based off of that chart. And on that chart, I'm a Capricorn rising. I am a Virgo sun and a Cancer moon. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, I mean, I I mean, like, I know you in class and like, just Mm -hmm. based off of like, my, you know, my relationship with you, that's, that's nice. Can you say that one more time again? Yeah. Capricorn rising, Virgo sun and cancer moon. So it's a lot of like, my whole chart is basically earth and water. Yeah. I love that though. Cause the, listen, you're getting, 
the garden needs water. Okay. <laughs> um, cute. Yes. Okay. Cute. Yeah. Cause that's that. I'm just very fascinated. You said that because remember we just spoke a little bit cause my son is tur- Taurus. Yes. Oh, and I was saying that like your Gemini placements come through so strong that I'd be forgetting the Taurus sun sometimes. Yes, yes, because you said because my Gemini rising and my moon is Gemini, Bam, so I have a lot of Gemini in my chart. But my Taurus is my sun. That's like like your, your I don't know, like what would you say like your main? What would yeah, you say like, like who you are at your core, your ego? Yeah, right. My ego, like I am a Taurus. I I'm a Taurus down. Like that's the thing. Like <laughs> I love to be at home. Like I'm stubborn, prideful, which I've worked on, but like that, that I have to constantly work on that side. Otherwise, she just wants to come through. Yeah. But I'm loyal to a T, you know what I mean? Like, yes. almost to a fault, honestly. Like, that's gotten me into lots of... That's why I'm in therapy, because I'm too Hello. trusting. <laughs> too trusting of people. Always thinking that everyone has the good intentions, when in reality, that's not the case, right? Yes. There's not good without evil. So, yeah. But, um, okay, cool. I just wanted to kind of, like, let the uh, listeners know in a sense of, like, more about who you... That Virgo son, though... Yes, because like I, I love a Virgo. You got oh, Earth signs, you know. Yeah, love people talk shit yes. about the Virgos, but I'm like, they're beautiful people. They're oh, every every yes sign. Virgo. Yes, every sign has their faults. Every sign has like something to like add to the world. And honestly, we you know in a full chart, you probably have so many different placements and signs that like there's not really True. a person that wouldn't have a connection to a specific sign. So I've tried to like sway from the astrology memes sometimes that tend to have you like pigeonhole you into a spot or talk shit about a certain kind of person or whatever because I'm like mm, it's it's all valuable like it, they're all here true. for a reason it's all valuable true 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 no I love this I love this and I and I love talking to you about this especially because you have that different perspective with the astrology and I, I feel like you know some of the listeners and you know like myself we still need to be schooled on that stuff too like I I know some things but mostly the people that are around me right like I have a lot of cancers in my life you know like uh, yes you, do. I, you know just like you know my one of my my co-hosts she's an Aries you know so mm. but she's a April Aries and not a March Aries because March Aries are tough <laughs> I'll just put it that way so um <laughs> very tough but anyways, back to yes, yourself. The lineage. How not long? Again here. How long have you been? Yeah, I'm like, how long have you been a pleasure mentor? Like, what was it? Yeah, With this been? title, a year and a half. Um, yeah. Right, that's where I was at. So when when I switched to like online things, when I switched to working with adults, I was just putting my own story on social media. Truly, I was like, you know what? I'm a storyteller. My storytelling is like in my lineage and that's just how I best get information out there. We learn through emotion, not facts. So if I want to talk about, I don't know, if I want to talk about gender, if I want to talk about relationship styles, like I should, I feel like I have to talk about myself and what I've learned in my community and do it that way. And so I started doing that and people just clung on and were like, oh, this was really helpful or thank you for sharing what you're going through. I've been through something similar or that makes me think about this relationship with this friend or whatever it is. And it just kind of snowballed from there and eventually turned into what I'm doing now. So I do multiple things in my job. I have multiple titles, but I've been in sex education for seven years, maybe a little over seven years now in multiple different ways. And so I started working on the queer sex therapy page when it basically was, I don't know, maybe six months old or something like that. I had really started picking up steam and getting pretty popular. And that was three years ago. Um, and so I had this, I learned this kind of perspective of how do I educate to a mass audience? 
thousands of people, tens of thousands, and now it's hundreds of thousands. Like, how do I make a post that speaks to multiple people? Is mm. broad enough that it applies to multiple people, but also specific enough to like hook your attention on social media, which is a skill. Um, but I was always craving for one-on-one, two-on-one, like very small sessions with people to be like, what, what, how does this apply to you though? Like, what do you specifically want to work on? And a bunch of people told me you should be a therapist or what about this? And I, first of all, I'm not about school. (laughs) I did not want to go back to school. Listen. Hello. You couldn't like, you really couldn't pay me to go back to school right now. Really? You're like done. You're done. Never say never. Yeah. Never say never, but I'm really not there right now. And I also didn't want to talk to people about everything in their life. Like therapists, you know, are specifically like mental health professionals and they talk about so many things part of your life. And I was really only interested in talking about a niche group of topics. And I was like, who will let me do that? What Mm. place can I just talk to people about this and not have to go back and get this specific license? Um, And that's, that's how it started. I've done so many workshops and group work and online virtual things all throughout the pandemic talking about pleasure and masturbation and partnered sex and erotic altars and all the things. And then it just came to a head a year and a half ago when I asked my boss, like, what would it take for me to start doing like pleasure coaching, like pleasure mentoring work? And they were like, yeah, let's see if the need is there. Like, let's see how it goes. And the demand was there and hasn't really stopped since. So here we are doing that one-on-one work and then like relational work with partners. And it's so beautiful. Yeah. You guys, I'm over here like, gagging I'm like tell me more like I'm like wow that's awesome no I I love hearing your story and I love that your your focus was so much on helping and mentoring pleasure and sex and focusing on that niche you know because you know with Kimboology meditate masturbate medicate this is one of our pillars too and to be honest with you it's something that I'm constantly working on myself but I feel like weird about the fact that it's such a stigmatized thing that we can't talk about Mm -hmm. or be sexual. You know, I'm a pole dance instructor. You know, I perform on stages and take my top off for money. Like, you know what I mean? I shake my ass for some cash. You know, like I, why is that so scary? You know, why, you know? Yeah. It's like, that's, it's a talent, you know, like why not use it? You know? And I, you know, and so you did mention um, you focus it on the queer sex and I said, um, do you identify as queer? Yeah, I don't, I love the label queer. I've gone through a few different labels in the past, like six years since I more officially came out, but yeah, I love the label queer. I also feel very gender fluid. I don't love that word for me, but there's not a word that fits. So I just kind of stick you. with that one. Thank you. Yes. Cause I, I just, um, you know, it's a sense of like the difference too. Like I know you, you focus on queer sex in a sense. Cause like, I feel like when it comes to, you know, a male and a female, it's way more complicated. Cause you know, we're just two, two, two entities, two different entities trying to figure each other. And it's so hard. It's intensely, and there's ego and there's shame and mm-hmm. there's insecurities wrapped up in it too. But I just, I don't know. Like I, that's why I, I think it's really interesting. And I'm excited to talk to you more about, fo- you know, you know, do you only um, coach queer sex no, or do you do both? Oh, I don't. Okay, cool. I, yeah, I predominantly have queer clients because I think overall the practice that was started is, I mean, as far as I know, majority of us identify as queer, if not all of us who work there. Um, and so I think that just attracts a certain kind of person because it, people are 
searching and seeking for queer therapy or queer coaching out there, like somebody who is at least like queer affirming. So I think that that attracts a very specific kind of person who is like, I haven't been able to find this elsewhere. So we get those people. But no, I don't only work with queer folks because my thing is queer queering and like queerness, not in terms of like an identity, but like values and like a verb of like how you walk through the world, how you unlearn things that are not helpful for you. That to me benefits everybody. I don't think that's just for queer folks. I think everybody can learn from how queer folks, trans folks dress their gender expression, how they understand their identity, how they undo what we think are like gender norms and relationship norms. I think everybody can benefit from that. So I've had straight couples, questioning couples, questioning individuals as clients before who ask the same thing where they're like, I don't, I don't know if I can be here. And I'm like, I, everybody can be here. I say that I'm queer centered because I know who I have in mind who doesn't typically get services that they need, but I'm here for everybody because I think everybody can benefit from this work. Oh, that was preach. Okay. I'm over here like, yes, yes, that was amazing. And like, honestly, it's funny because you know, after, after class one day, I like pulled Kiana aside. Cause I was like, I would love to have you on the show. And then she actually had a moment where like, you kind of like corrected me because, you know, as you know, like I'm heavily in the queer space, you know, I perform a small world collective all the mm-hmm. time, which is a queer black, uh, queer black predominantly, but colored really, yeah. um, I would say by person of color, uh, community. Uh, and you know, but I feel very just like, I don't know, I feel bad in the sense, like, if I, I don't want to take on identities that I don't necessarily deserve, or, like, I need, like, I, I don't know, I felt like, like, because I'm currently in a heterosexual relationship with a cis man, we're monogamous, Mm -hmm. I felt like, oh, I'm not, I don't deserve, I, that's not right of me to say that I am queer because of the situation that I'm in, but Mm. I'm very fluid myself, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I've, you know, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say, it, like you said, like I had, kind of how you had different identities going out throughout. Yeah. I would say maybe me as well, but because for me it was always about the soul and not, you know, necessarily what they had, you know, mm-hmm. I guess pansexual or, you know, kind of gender uh, fluidity in that sense. Like, I think that's kind of where, but queer is also something that I wouldn't mind calling myself. I just don't know. Can I? Like, I'm always like, right. can I call myself that? You know, so can you educate us a little bit more on like... Like, how do you identify yourself? And also just like the queer phobia behind all of it, too. Hell yeah. Yeah, I remember that moment where I'm looking at you like, I mean, you're describing yourself as queer right now. And I'm not not going to put a label on you that you don't put on yourself. But if you think you're queer, if you believe that you are, if you say that you are, then please, like, take up the space in these queer spaces. And I know it can feel like that. I mean, I think... No matter how you identify, every single person has felt queer imposter syndrome multiple times in a queer space okay. because there is there is no one way of being queer. So the question like, am I queer enough comes up all the time for people. I think that there are certain people who may feel that more than others, but we are we are not the majority in the world right now. I think that that will continue to change as people just kind of undo and unlearn things that they are being taught and can allow themselves to be who they are. But in terms of people who are creating these spaces, saying that they're queer out loud, like that's not really the norm and how we move about this world. So to be that is pushing up against everything that you have been taught for decades of your life. So it's tough to feel like you can walk into a space and be like, yeah, I belong here. 
Because why, like, why would you feel like you belong? Like that there's a lot of that internalized homophobia, queer phobia that people are dealing with on a daily basis, whether you're a lesbian, whether you're gay, whether you're a trans person, whoever, like we're all dealing with that. And so I think especially folks that are bi, especially folks that are pansexual, somewhere where like they feel like they're attracted to multiple different genders. And I especially find this with people who still find themselves attracted to masculinity, especially cis men feel like, Ooh, I don't know if I can be here. I don't know if I want to quote, take up that space or if like, that's right. And you use the word, like, do I deserve to? And there is no deserve, right? If you say that you are queer, then that's the end of the story. Nobody can tell you otherwise. If you say, I know who I feel attracted to, I know who I have the potential to be in a relationship with, I know at my core, like, this is how I identify and like, these are my values, then that's that. But I completely understand that people are like, I don't know. And I just think that's a lot of internalized biphobia of like bi folks and pan folks feeling like, unless I am in a situation where I myself am like very explicitly expressing that I'm queer or my relationship looks like what a queer relationship I think should look like, then I can't be here. But you can't define yourself based on who you're in a relationship with. You can be in relationship with anyone and still feel the way that you do internally. Like queerness is not about behavior. It's just about what you believe about yourself. Because somebody can be queer and never have had what they consider queer sex before, right? But it's the same way that we put on like straight folks. Imagine like the little kids in your life and your family. Like I'm sure somebody has called like some little boy, like a heartbreaker. He's going to break little, like little girl's hearts one day. He's so handsome. He's so whatever. We're putting things onto mm. kids that are growing up who have not identified themselves at all yet, but already assuming like you have not had this experience, but you are straight. You have not had this right. experience, but you are this binary gender. So if we can say that about certain straight folks, why can like, why do queer folks have to prove themselves with a specific right. behavior? When I was, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't straight, but let's say, you know, that's what I thought at the time growing up as a teenager. I'm 13. I have not had my first kiss yet. I have not had um, my first like sexual experience like as a teenager, but I was already assumed to be straight and like that was understood and okay. I didn't have to prove that yet. That was just the default. And so queer folks, I think, are constantly feeling like they have to check certain boxes prove themselves because they were already placed in a, in a certain, whatever it is. And they're like, I have to be way over here then to show that I'm not what they told me that I was this whole time. So I think queer folks are constantly like pushing up against a lot of norms. Wow. That was amazing. Cause like, I love the way that you really broke down all the like because I was just like identifying with so much that you were saying and I was like oh my god okay cool oh good all right you know like I'm just like here at Kimboology masturbate is a pillar but I do not by any means identify as some sort of professional in this area okay I just like talking about it so that's why we have wonderful folks like Kiana come on the show to educate us um Seriously, thank you for that. And I'm sure the listeners are all kind of thinking like, wow, you know, like having those similar feelings. And, you know, I definitely do. And it makes me feel, you know, a lot better in a sense of like, because I did sometimes feel like I kind of always my whole life because I'm also biracial. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I grew up in a, what do you call it? Like a non, like like a mixed diverse area as opposed to like 
you know, where my, my dad necessarily grew up on the South side of Chicago, where it was predominantly mm-hmm. black Americans, you know, I yeah. grew up with a lot of Hispanics, white people. Like it was a really big mix. My mom is from Thailand. So Thai people. Mm-hmm. And so growing up as a child, I didn't talk a certain way. My yeah. hair type was very different. You know, I would often get the, is that your hair? Like, is that your real hair? And I'm like, yeah, you know, and I would be like so confused on why and not knowing, you know, because of, you know, whatever, you know, all the, there's so much more there, especially with hair. We can get, that's a whole nother episode, but just, I felt right. And I'm sure you can also, (laughs) we are all both in the curly hair community. So I'm sure we can bring you back and talk about hair another day. But, (laughs) but when it comes to, you know, sex and just like my, how I identify, it has been something that I just been completely unsure, you know, um, more ignorant towards because I didn't necessarily, right, practice the feelings that I've been feeling, but I've mm-hmm. been feeling them my whole life, you know? Yeah. Um, and then just like, yeah, like, am I allowed to, you know, like, I, I definitely struggle to this day with that. So thank yeah. you for the, educating us on that. I think that's really, really important to have these conversations because the more that we do, the more we can just learn from each other. So yeah, and that feeling that you just named, where you were saying you've been feeling that your whole life. So is is that on you then, that you then feel like you can't express that or hold your own in a certain space? It's like, no, that would be then external like systems and forces and community values that then were put onto you that made you feel like that is something that I need to keep to myself or not practice or you know, not be able to hold my own in these spaces. Like that's not on you, which is why we call it like internalized queer phobia, internalized transphobia, internalized. Cause it's not, it didn't start with you. Like that was something external that now you carry, which feels mm-hmm. unfair for so many of us that we have to, if it's racism, transphobia, whatever it is, like the internalized um, feelings that we, it's like, oh, like now I have to work on unlearning that about myself when I didn't want to own that in the first place. I didn't want to believe that in the first place. So right. we all grow up with a lot of messaging that is not actually beneficial to us. Oh, yes. I mean, I'm just thinking about even just like, you know, my father, my late father, you know, he he was pretty homophobic, you know. So it's like I understand now in a sense of like, like you saying the external feel like I just was it was kind of like brought upon me just from like living in my, you know, living in my, growing up as a young child, you know, being confused, not knowing who I was and on all aspects. So that, that feeling is still very much there for me. However, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I just really feel like the more and more I am in wonderful spaces, like, you know, at Siren where I teach Mm -hmm. and then, you know, where I go and I can perform for Small Work Collective and just Mm kind of talking, having conversations with yourself, like it does make me feel more, you know, affirmed. I'm like, okay, like I am who I am and it's okay. So yeah, I appreciate that. Um, So yeah. um, Thanks for like the little mini sesh ourselves, but (laughs) I'm like, I'm like over here like, okay, cute. No, but um, back to, you know, in a sense of like your pleasure mentoring, you know, Mm -hmm. journey. So you, you talk to straight couples, you talk to, you know, um, queer couples, all, all the old, whole things, but like in a sense of like, what is something that you feel is like a very common, you know, a common occurrence that like people are always like, man, I don't know how to navigate this. Like, mm-hmm. what is something you always see? Yeah. Well, first of all, every single person that comes to me just wants to know that they're normal. And that's how I feel going to my own therapist too, right? Like that's, Everybody just feels like I'm not the common experience. So could you please somehow affirm the fact that like I'm okay and I'm normal is really what I feel from everybody. 
Um, everyone tends to feel like they're the only one who's ever had the experience that they've had. And I like to say something that like, I never know how people are going to take it, but I'm like, I I like try to feel it out with each client. Like you might be the one to take this in. I say that you are not unique, but you are special. Um, like most of the things that we have thought and felt before the relationships you've been in multiple other people, multiple thousands of people have been in that, you know, situation before. So you're not unique and you're not alone, but you definitely are like a special person. Um, so I feel like I work with mostly individuals. I do love to do couples work, but most of the folks that come to me come solo, either because they feel like they want to work on something on their own, or maybe they're just not partnered um, or they're dating or whatever it is. And so they're just coming by themselves. And I feel like the number one thing, you know what, even with couples too, is people get really stuck around sexual communication. That's like the number one thing I hear is people get so anxious and frozen when they hear, what do you want? From another person. They will completely freeze up, not know what to say, feel like they've never (laughs) liked anything in sex before. And so they can't think of anything. So a lot of folks are just like, how do I communicate my desires to anyone? How do I learn my desires on my own so that I can better tell them to a partner or partners? And I often say that we don't know because we weren't taught about sex ed, right? So why would we know how to say what we like? How would we feel confident saying these incredibly vulnerable things to somebody else when we can barely say them out loud to ourselves? I also don't think the question, what do you want, is a very good one. I think it's way too broad, way too general. (laughs) And I think when it's asked in the moment during sex is not the environment Mm. to ask it in. So we'll often break down what is best to ask outside of a sexual context what are the best questions to ask in a sexual context and like how can we better ask it so it actually like leads someone to a specific place a better question during sex is like how's this pressure for you that's something that's in the moment where like you want that feedback you can't you can ask later but you probably do want to know in the moment too like how's this pressure or do you want me to go faster or slower those are good like in the moment questions or like How's this position for you? Do you need an extra pillow? Good in the moment things. Outside of sexual context, whether it's before sex or like aftercare, after sex talking about things is when you say, yeah, like what are your hard no's? Like what are things you absolutely do not want to do in sex? Okay, like what are things that you love to have consistently show up in sex? Are there things that you haven't tried that you want to try? Is there role that you tend to gravitate towards in sex like that's when you can get into more of the specifics and like have those conversations so we'll often differentiate like during sex not during sex what it's like before and after care look like how can you have these conversations here in pleasure mentoring so you can feel really confident saying them to someone else because it's it's tough to say out loud what you like even if what you like you don't think is necessarily kinky or anything it doesn't have to be about that but like just saying like I want you to kiss me here can feel like a lot for some people oh yeah you know you're like you're like asking for that like that for me I can definitely admit that's like very tough to find my voice when I'm in the moment it's very it's very hard and I I did some like tantra and like tantra I like was a part of this community in, in Australia and we were it was this like tantric community mm-hmm. and it was wonderful I like loved it mm-hmm. so much but I tried to tap into the tantric community here in Chicago and it was a little weird so I <laughs> tapped out so <laughs> <laughs> the ones that I was like oh okay this is not the same so Bye. I you know but it was that was like the constant like using like finding your voice 
in um you know in in tantra was like very hard, difficult for me so then like yeah. the constant like just even just mumbling or have, having an audible sound come out, you know, is yes. difficult because, you know, I don't know about y'all, but it's like, come on, most of us don't have just like the freedom to just be as loud as you want. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. awkward. You're trying to be quiet for something, you know? Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, just that, that in a sense, in a sense, it's like, I feel like it could be very difficult for people. I can see that for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so thank you. No, I, and, mm-hmm. and it's, I can just imagine all the things that you talk about, you know, it's, it can be just anything, you know, because, and that's another thing, you know, like maybe we can dive into just like in the sense of like the, you mentioned kink, you know, Mm -hmm. and what kind of, you know, what goes under that umbrella of kink, you know, and like which kink and like some people, maybe their kinks are just a little, maybe they're, maybe they're sensitive about it. Maybe they're a little ashamed of their kink, you know? And so how do you kind of navigate when you have someone that, feels that way about kinking. Yeah. Kinkiness. I mean, man, kinkiness only exists because we have set sexual norms. Otherwise, I don't think it would exist. Like it would just be whatever you find sexual is sexual. And if you don't find it sexual, then it's not sexual to you and it's not a big deal. But because we have like a very tight box of what is within sexual norms and sexual scripts and the types of roles that certain people take during sex, anything outside of the norm is considered a kink. So that's really broad language. And I think it's broad on purpose because for you, maybe like, you know, having leather involved in sex is something that you really enjoy. And that's, that's normal to you maybe, but if it's not normal to me, like that's, that's where we get a lot of these issues and like a lot Mm. of stigmatization of like what is considered sexy, what is considered sexual, what is considered non-sexual. And there are non-sexual kinks for a lot of people. um, But we do associate like kink with sexiness and like sex most of the time. So, I mean, for me, working with folks who either are trying to discover if they have kinks or know they do and are just working through shame. It always boils down to purity culture, whether or not you specifically grew up religious. I can't really think of many places in the world where you wouldn't be impacted by religion, but I mean, I only grew up in the States, right? So I can speak for that. If you grew up here, you were impacted by religion because we live in a Christian nation, no matter what anyone wants to say. So whether it was in your home (laughs) Whether or not it was in your school, your block, whatever it is, you were impacted. So there's something for all of us to work through of like, oh, I feel guilty about liking to be called this word or to be licked on this body part or to whatever it is. So we have to talk about purity culture, you know, in sessions, if we're going to talk about kinks, we have to talk about, you know, embracing and owning our pleasure and to be able to talk about kinks. Ah. I actually, I absolutely love that you mentioned religion in this because I, f- oh, I, man, it's like so right on in the sense of like, yeah, a lot of the like stigmatized anything when it comes to sex is like literally all brought on from like a religious, like controlling and manipulation, Yes, you know, don't girl, do not let me get into this conspiracy or, or <laughs> my, my documentaries I've been watching about like, just like the evangelicals you know, no. church infiltrating their asses in like political areas on, you know, just like, and mm-hmm. how they're just like passing on this knowledge to, the, to their children so they can keep this like rhetoric going, you know, and it all ties into systemic racism. It's, it's all this yes. big ass shithole yeah. of fuckness, you know? And 
And basically, you know, I just love that you you mentioned because like I know you're a pleasure mentor, but religious religion definitely come, you know, because mm-hmm. in religion you're taught so many things, and it depends on what type of religion. You know what I mean? Like when I went to Bali and I was, um, which is in Indonesia. Uh, one of my drivers, I mean, he was probably like in his 30s. Mm-hmm. He'd never had sex and he didn't even know what porn was. Mm-hmm. He couldn't believe, like, we were talking about porn and stuff like that. And he was like, what, is, what are you talking about, you know? Mm-hmm. And then we were like, yeah, and you're, you could pull up some. He's like, there's movies wow. where you can watch people. He was just like flabbergasted. And then like the other people that I were like, I was just kind of... um backpacking so like mm-hmm. I met these random people from like Hawaii and they were like showing him like scenes and he just completely lost his shit because over there the it's uh they're they're Hindu mm-hmm. so the Hinduism it is in Bali mostly and mm-hmm. then so that's just like new no, you know like mm-hmm. porn is banned there you can't you know I don't know how maybe she had a different IPN I don't know how she even got into like see right porn but like yeah it's so it's so stigmatized it's so again you know like you're not supposed to do it you're not supposed to talk about it Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to see it, you know. So yeah, thank you for like talking. Thank you for bringing that up because that just really makes me think like, like most of the things that we feel that are taboo were all taught. You know, it wasn't necessarily like oh, like you just grew up. You know, you know, as you're a kid, I'm sure we, as a kid, you know, we all start touching each other or touching yeah. ourselves and just like this feels good. You know, like and like of course, you know, like we're just going with what feels good to our bodies, but then we're you know, maybe, maybe we, maybe we get caught by our parents or something. They're just like, what are you doing? That's bad. Or da, 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 you know, and then you're over here like, what the fuck did I do wrong? You know, like I was just, this felt good. Like, why can't I do this? You know? So yeah, I just think that, um, that's a constant struggle for society. Well, again, from, from the lens of growing up in the U S I can, I grew up yeah. in the U S too, so I can agree. Yeah. And then we not only internalize that like masturbation is bad, for example, but we are bad. Like it goes right down to like us and the core and who we are and our, like how valuable we are. Um, and that's like, that's what's so hard to unlearn. I went to a Christian school for several years in my life. So I'm like, I'm up close and personal with religious oh, trauma. Cool. Um, yep. And even like, even being in the field that I am having the education that I have, it doesn't matter. You're not exempt from those things. Like I, I may have more knowledge, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't also take me so much time to unlearn the things. I always say that there's a difference between knowing and feeling. And so you can have all the theories, you can have all the facts, you can have all the knowledge, but it takes time to actually fully let something like immerse you and like into your beliefs and like take time to unlearn because it was such a long time of you hearing these other things that it's not just going to turn around just because somebody tells you like oh it's okay to masturbate that's not enough like that's not enough to go against what you've already like had indoctrinated into you so I also just want people to be kind to themselves and be gentle and be compassionate be patient because you were on a journey like that you didn't want to be on in the first place so choosing to even be in a spot in your life where you're like, you know what, I'm ready to do the hard work, but also do the very like compassionate self work to try to like make different decisions for myself and reframe my inner thoughts when they come up and try to have different relationships with people. That takes a lot of time and a lot of work. So if anybody's even doing an ounce of that, like congrats, you're, you're already doing the things. And I, I was a sex worker for almost two years, like right before the pandemic. And then throughout the pandemic, uh, parts of it was on OnlyFans. And I mean, oh God, the things that I've heard from people and just the internalized shame that like 
everybody is experiencing. And I had majority like cis white men clients as most like online sex workers do. And even them, y'all, I mean, we, we know that the marginalized folks are up against a different battle for sure, but the way that we do like sexism impacts everybody. Racism impacts everybody. You're not exempt from feeling like the restraint of these things. Like we are all up against the same harmful shit. It's just that some of us are more directly impacted than others. Some of us are impacted personally and systemically other people just personally, but like we all have a lot to unlearn because the way that these men would try to like use me as like a pseudo therapist, they would, they were just so, full of guilt, full of shame, the things they wanted to ask for, the things they wanted to see, the things they wanted to pay for. And it was a lot of like, ah, okay. It, it, it kind of humanized the whole experience for me of like, we're all struggling with a lot. No, that's, that's so real. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm literally taking everything in. I'm like over here high as shit. Literally. <laughs> and I'm just over here like, yes. Cause it's, yeah, you know, I, you know, even just like I would just like, you know, on, on a whole different note, but like my stickers, you know, how I have master, meditate, master, yeah. medicate on them. And it's like one guy like literally like I see I gave him a sticker and he like, oh, oh like literally had a freak out from it. And I was like, yes. chill, fucking chill, you know. So, yeah. And, and you know, and with that being, you know, you know, just to kind of also say like I wanted to open up the conversation to like some of the listeners. And so I actually went on and like on our stories, I did a poll and I said, Hey, are there any questions that you have for, you know, a pleasure mentor that you'd want to like have us discuss? And so we have yes, a couple of questions if you don't mind. Let's do it. Oh, it's my um, favorite. Right. It's like, Ooh, like mm-hmm. listeners. Okay. This is, this is your questions guys. So it's like, one of them was uh, like, what age did you start masturbating? Oh, like two. I mean, I can't even remember. I was, oh yeah. I, I don't, you know, you don't really have memories before the age of like four or five really um, that you remember, but I was told by my dad that my mom walked in on me, you know, like whatever version of masturbation was, but touching my genitals when I was like two. Um, And she freaked out. She panicked. He did not. Like I have a very unique story where my dad is a sex positive one and my mom is not. Um, does not mean that he's not problematic. That's not what I'm saying. But like, he was the one who taught me about like sex and consent and pleasure actually. So he was like, I mean, so like he, she was like, what do we do? Like, what do we do about it? And he was like, nothing. Like, first of all, his, his quote, his quote was, I mean, she already found it. She's not going to stop doing it now. (laughs) What's his exact quote? I love, wait, is your dad, is your dad black? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're biracial too, right? Yeah. My mom is white. My dad is black. Okay. Okay. I love that. Yes. Like dad. Yes. Mom grew up like by Midway and then dad grew up in like all gardens and the projects, like two very different worlds. Wow. And they found love and And they somehow came together. But yeah, he was the (laughs) one who was like, like, do what you got. First of all, he was like, that's you and your body. So no, he was very clear from as early as I can remember, whatever you want to do with your body, nobody can tell you otherwise. Like it was almost like, please take this route because that's like, you don't have to consider anything else or anyone else. But yeah, he talked to me about all that kind of stuff and was like, you know, like, obviously don't, do it in public. Like, this is not like, don't do where people can see you, but you do what you want to do with your body. So it, I mean, I still had to work through a lot of the shame myself just because of messages I maybe internalized from my mom, who was not as sex positive and comfortable talking about that. 
like I said, the religious school, things overall. But yeah, I mean, I started at two and I haven't stopped since. <laughs> <laughs> You're like two and, a, and going on strong. That's going right. strong That's right. until 92. <laughs> Listen, you girl, I mean, it's a, one of the pillars. So you already know what, what goes down with me. But it's yes. so funny that you said that, that like your dad was the one that was um, more open to talking about that um, or like not completely, completely was like that's normal whatever because mm-hmm. I actually got taught about like tampons in my menstrual cycle from my dad my mm-hmm. mom didn't teach me that's so and my cool. dad's a stay-at-home dad so like I kind of have those reversals too. too yeah oh, come on now come on these yes. black men taking care right? of the kids you know what I'm saying they got to you know someone's got to do it yeah and my mom bless her you know Pajanat is very famous on the show and <laughs> um from Thailand came here when she was 19 so she's amazing super strong woman but whew, she's mm. tough She's yeah, a tough I can one. So yeah, <laughs> you know, and so that's you know. But we, as an adult, we've got through that. But yeah, thank you for sharing that. Two years old. That's that's pretty. You know, in a sense of like, I don't, re- I don't necessarily remember. You know, when I first started, but like I can recall times in my life of like doing things when I was like a very young, but like, you know, like, like rubbing items, just random items yeah. against myself to like, mm-hmm. you know, reach a climax, you know, like hair. I mean, I had a collection. I would just have like a hairbrush, like, I don't know, like whatever. Like yeah. I was like, Anything oh, accessible. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll try that next time. Or like a teddy bear or whatever, you know, cause it just felt good. So, but I was, I don't even know, like my young, like the age like you said, you can't remember. You can only remember things like what to like you're like you're four years old, yeah. right? I would say maybe like six or seven. Maybe I can re- remember, you know, that I was doing those things. But I remember I, my classic thing was I like to put a mirror on the ceiling. Oh, love that! <laughs> I would put like a little Polly Pocket mirror up on the ceiling. Yes. I would jump up. <laughs> Wait a minute! This is incredible. <laughs> I was a child, but I loved because wa- I'm a voyeur. Like I love watching. <laughs> So I literally, and then like my mom would come in the room and see this like tiny little You're mirror like, on the ceiling. <laughs> so like, she knew. I was like, girl, you knew. Why is your daughter putting little tiny mirrors on the, on the ceiling? Like, what the fuck, you know? So I just, oh. it's just, you know, the stories, I'm sure, you know, all mm-hmm. the things as kids, you know, we would like do. But yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's you, it's normal to you. It felt good. So it's like, own it, you know. That's why I'm, yes. like, I'm not afraid to talk about it. I'm like, I think it's like, you know, very normal. Like we all experience these things. So, mm-hmm. thank you, listener, for your question. Thank you. Um, and then the um, thank you, Kiana, for that wonderful. You know, I love that you were like, bitch, two years old. I was getting <laughs> on a popping. So, <laughs> like, uh, okay. The next question is like uh, kind of broad, but at the same time, definitely something that I struggle with is how to focus on enjoying the moment and relaxing. Hmm. Oh, yes. Have we all now been there? Like, yes. Um, I mean, I think it. this, I'll try to answer as broad as possible. But of course, I'm like, oh, I wonder what this person meant by that. I want, I have so many like other specific questions for who asked, because we all may not be present during sex for different reasons, right? Like for some of us, it stems from like body image issues. Other people, it might be gender dysphoria, other people, it might be just overall like sexual anxiety, like it might stem from different places. So the answer might be more specific depending upon like where that's coming from. But if you're trying to stay present during sex and I am assuming this person is talking about partnered sex, but I can also answer for solo sex too. The first thing I would do if you're comfortable with the person that you or persons that you're sleeping with is to say that. Because what I've learned is like when you keep things to yourself, it festers and it is very hard to break things if 
you are also not able to name them out loud. Sometimes like you're, you're giving something a lot more power than it deserves by just keeping it to yourself. You're like adding to the potential shame that you might be feeling. You're also like, oh, like no one else can help me with this or understand this or has been there. But if you can just tell the person or people that you're sleeping with, like, I feel like I have a really hard time staying present during sex, or I feel this, or I feel that, like just even saying the thing out loud, getting it out of your body, externalizing it, I think is so beneficial. And I feel that way about a lot of things, not just the the ability to not stay present during sex, but you could be surprised like where your partner might be like me too. And then y'all can just talk about it and empathize together. And sometimes just having somebody hear you and understand is so helpful. Other times somebody might have like a suggestion or they might be like, can I check in on you more during sex? Should we do this? Like y'all can be a team and talk together. It doesn't just have to be you coming up with answers. So it might be like, let's, you know, let's vocalize more during sex. Let's talk more. Will that keep you present? Like if we're silent, do you get in your head? Is actually the talking what's like not helping you? Like you can figure out together what's most beneficial Um, So I just always say, like, let it out and say it to somebody or say it to your friend if you don't want to say it to the person that you're having sex with. Say it to somebody so y'all can talk about, like, what can I try or help me not feel so alone with this. But a lot of people struggle to stay present during sex. I think depending upon who you are, my thing is always like, what sense can you go to like out of your five senses like if I feel like oh I I lost myself and like I'm trying to come back to the room I'm trying to come back to the person that I'm with I can focus on touch for me since I don't have any kind of like sensory issues I'm like where are they touching me right now okay their left hand is on my left thigh okay I feel like it's kind of warm there okay and their hip is like resting on my stomach and I'm just trying to like name the things that are going on and then it brings me back to my body for someone else, it might be like sound of like, what can I hear right now? I can hear the fan in the background or I can hear the music that's going on. I can hear their breathing. I can hear my heartbeat, like focusing on one sense, whatever one works for you and like bring yourself back. And like, it's okay if you leave again. It's okay if like you dissociate again, but just the the coming back process is what's most important, not judging yourself if you're not present. Wow. Thank you so much for that, Kiana, because I just love that you know, how you said like, oh, in your head, like, what's your hand doing? Like, because that is definitely something I feel like I can just go off and just almost like not even kind of like just like zone out or something, you know, like, it's just like, yeah, like, it's like, it's weird. So uh, I love that you're like, okay, let's bring yourself back in your body, you know, Mm -hmm. and and just kind of like be in the moment. So thank you for breaking that down. Like, I think that's something that everyone can probably like practice immediately like even just like on your by yourself like yes yeah that doesn't even you know that's a that's advice for sex specifically but also not just for sex right because most things that we do outside of sex impact sex and like vice versa like they're not separate from each other which of course this culture like wants it to be so separate but everything is so intersecting so I'm like if you have trouble staying present typically in life, it will probably also impact your sex life. And if you're having a problem speaking up here, like you might have a problem speaking up somewhere else. Like it's all, it's all connected. It's all related. That makes a lot of sense. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you listener for your question. Um, I have another one. Um, And then let's see Uh, this one here is what is some advice you would give to someone that is having a difficult time reaching climax with a partner? Mm. Oh, love this question. This is like, 
maybe the number two question I get or like number two reason that people come to pleasure mentoring. I feel like the sexual communication piece is really hard and feeling confident and comfortable with your own desires. The second one is the orgasm piece. Um, so I'll say more of like the coachy answer first, and then I'll get to like the actual, like, how the fuck do you do this? My like coaching answer is that it sometimes decentering orgasm can help you orgasm. If there is a lot of pressure that you're putting on yourself, or maybe a partner is putting on you to orgasm, to reach climax in a certain way, that is so hard on your brain. Like your brain is your biggest sexual like organ. It is not your genitals. Ugh. It is your brain. So I love if that you, you said that. Ugh. Right. Like if you're feeling anxious up there, if you feel stuck, if you feel pressure, like that's not going to get you to where you want to go. So that like mm-hmm. almost every client that I work with, like we will like reroute if, if orgasm is the focus and this pisses a lot of people off and I'm like, well, welcome, welcome to the session is that we like go, we go left before we go right. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. what if we took orgasm off the table? What if we just played? Like, what if we expanded what we think is sex? What if we did a lot of other things, either with ourselves or with our partners, and just started there, like, just focus on pleasure? And so you can learn what you really like. Like, you can learn what texture, what pressure, what temperature, what speed, like, just feeling good. And then you can, like, focus and work on orgasm if that's a goal for you. Because just the like pinnacle, like big O is something either A, not everyone can experience consistently or B, you're just way too in your head and it's really hard to get to. If the person who asked the question is like a person with a vulva, I would have a lot more questions of like, do you orgasm by yourself? And if you do, and like the problem is orgasm with a partner, then I'd be like, what are you doing alone that you're not doing with a partner? especially like folks with vulvas, the way that I'm like, I will hear like, oh yeah, I use a vibrator every single time. And then you don't have vibrators during partnered sex. Well, your body is now like rerouted to being like, oh, we love this kind of sensation. We love this vibration. We like have an association with this toy, this color, this whatever, this sound. And then your body is like prepped and primed to orgasm. Then you get into partner sex and somebody is going to town with their tongue and you're like, damn, that feels good, but I'm not getting anywhere. And it's like, well, yeah, because it's not what you're used to. So we need to incorporate toys more into partnered sex or maybe like switch it up in your solo sex life. So I'm always like, what do you do by yourself if you can orgasm by yourself? And like, what's not translating over to partnered sex? Also for folks with vulvas, we have like, the clitoris is so big, y'all. Like the G spot to me is like just a name. The quote spot that everybody's talking about is just your clitoris. It's just the internal structure. Mm. So I'm like, maybe you need both external and internal stimulation at the same time. And you're only getting one of them. Maybe it's that you're not doing enough what people consider like foreplay. And I don't really use the word foreplay. I just think it's all sex, but like, maybe you're not prepping yourself enough. Like maybe you need external stimulation for 40 minutes before you can get there. Maybe you need nipple stimulation while you also like, there's probably so much that could be happening that might be missing where I'm like, there's not a direct answer to that question, but I'm like, let's just investigate, like, what are your erogenous zones? Are they being touched? Are you, are they being touched as long as you need them to be? Is it the problem of like, I don't know how to communicate to this partner that like, I really need like a finger in my booty hole also while you do this or else I'm not going to get there. Cause like, that's what I do with myself. So hopefully that's a little bit of like guidance to get this person where they want to go. But that's where I would start and being like, 
what, what can I switch up? What can I, what can I communicate? What can I try differently? Or like how much longer might I need to be paid attention to and you deserve to, to get to where you want to go? Uh, yes. Preach. Thank you so much, Kiana. Like I'm sure all these, like everybody's probably like myself, just like, like this. Ooh, tell me more. Tell me more, you know? Um, but I don't want to keep you too much longer because honestly, like I can sit here and talk to you for fucking hours. Like, yeah, I'm like we could go the whole afternoon. <laughs> and, and I'm I like, love it you're like, let's, let's fucking go. I'm like, um, we can do and this, I definitely sure. want to, and I definitely want to get to meditate, meditate, meditate with you because that's yeah. really so, um, but you know, Kiana, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to go ahead and wrap up the questions, which that was pretty basically, thank you listeners for all your questions, but I wanted to uh, have you just say, if, are there any resources that, you know, some of the listeners can like tap into or you can share that it helped you or that you really like, you know, you really, that, that you really like or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the OG thing that I read was Come As You Are. That's a book by Emily Nagoski and she also has a podcast out now that's not even a year old yet. So if you're like, I'm not a reader, podcast it is. That's, that is like the baseline science that we have out there about like different types of desires, responsive versus spontaneous folks who, you know, this is what turns them on, what turns them off. It's the first person who was like, here's what we know about like bodies with vulvas and like how they respond to certain stimulus. I would start there for a lot of people, no matter what body you have. Um, Loved that book. Loved that podcast. Um, I'm going to plug the company that I work for and work at, but like at queer sex therapy on Instagram at the expansive group on Instagram has some amazing, wonderful, like sex ed that I just can't believe that we're just now getting around talking about with people. I can only imagine like if I had this when I was younger, how different of a person I would be right now. Um, my own Instagram at healing is imperfect. If you want more of like a personal lens and like storytelling trying to think of some other like online resources i so for for your one one one-on-ones like you know Mm -hmm. people can contact you and are you are you pretty like do you have an open schedule like how does yeah if and if i don't like i have a wait list always and i work for folks for a shorter period of time than a therapist does like i'm not working with you for years i'm normally working with people anywhere from like four months to nine months so the wait list is never too long like it normally if if I am filled up, I can get to people within like a month to two months. So Kiana at the expansive group.com is how you can email me if you want sessions. Wonderful. Thank you. And yeah. you guys literally, as you can tell, so much, so many years of knowledge and expertise and just like can completely make you feel comfortable with yourself and sharing this. So thank you so much, Kiana. Like this has been like a wonderful chat and I want to get nice and like fun and nasty with you. So Let's we're gonna get take it. A quick, we're going to take a quick <laughs> break and then when we come back, we're going to do Medicaid, Medicaid, Medicaid. Cool. We'll be back. Thanks for listening to Kimboology. We'll be back after these messages. This episode was brought to you by Lost Farm. From the makers of Kiva Confections comes Lost Farm. Strain-specific, plant-based, 10-milligram, THC edible gummies and chews infused with what? 100% live resin and solventless live resin for a distinctively full spectrum, true to the plant high. Novices need not apply. Must be 21 or older to consume. You are now listening to Kimboology. Kimbo, 
aka the Traveling Chafing Queen, a podcast that wants you to meditate, masturbate, and or medicate. All right, everyone, we are back from our break with Kiana Lewis, the pleasure mentor. And you know what? It's time for meditate, masturbate, and or medicate. Um, and in this, guys, if, this, if you're new to the show, this is our wellness segment where we dive deep into the three pillars of the show, meditate, masturbate, medicate. You can, uh, Kiana, choose anything, one, two, or talk about all three and just kind of like go off that pillar and whatever you want to talk about, we can kind of get juicy. So yeah. what would you like to start with? Um, yeah, let's do them all. Let's start with the first one, meditate. Sickening. Okay, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. So meditate. Um, so are there any meditation practices that you really love that, that you're kind of doing right now? Yeah, I want. I wanted to pick this one because I'm like, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. I'm not a stillness person when it comes to meditation. I value that, but that's not the way that I work on like presence or meditation. I'm a movement meditation person. Like I need to be moving to be present and to be in my body like that. So my two favorite ways to meditate are to dance and to play volleyball. Those are like the two spaces in my life where like, I, I don't think there's anything else in this world that I could do that I feel more present than those things. Because when I am when I'm playing volleyball, for example, I, there's nothing else that exists in the whole world. I don't even remember who my, what my parents' names are. Cause I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm so focused on like the present point, what's happening, ta- like the inner like dialogue I have with myself. I'm like, this is the most meditative place I've been when I dance, which is like why I also love coming to your class. Cause I'm like, this is the I was going to say, do you meditate? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It's like, I just, the way I can just focus on like the movement at hand, uh-huh. focus on the thing that I hear in the background, like, okay, with this beat and like, it's, it's the place. So like, it's maybe not so traditionally how people think about meditation, but like, I'm a big movement meditation person. Oh my God. I think you just had, I think you just had an epiphany because I'm similar to you in a sense of like being still is so fucking hard. Like it is. I mean, I'll sit there and focus and make myself meditate every now and then, but it's hard. It's hard. Mm -hmm. And I'm like yourself. Like that's why I always, for myself, I always said pole was therapy because I love to just go and zone out and just fucking dance on the pole. And I I go into like a meditative state. So I can relate. I love that. Come on now. Come on, pole dancing Mm -mm -mm. is meditation. Come on. (laughs) Love that. Okay. Well, oh, that's okay. So we did meditate and you said movement helps you. I love that so much. What Mm -hmm. about uh, meditate masturbate? Mm. I mean, we've been talking about that forever, but yeah, that's your, yeah. Yeah. What about it? What about masturbation? (laughs) You're like, yeah, what about it? Like anything? No. Okay. So for you, you mentioned toys. Is that, is that something mm-hmm. that you that you particularly you need when you masturbate or not? Oh, How do you feel? I love toys. I, I use both because um, I know I can get into too much of a habit where I've like only used toys for a while. And then I'm like, uh, oh, hand doesn't seem as interesting. And that's when I know like switch it up. Um, but yeah, I love toys. I love either like two ends of the spectrum. I'm like an external girly. So give me something for like my external clit and I'm there. So I either want like a pointed something where like I can get so specific. Like I have this specific like Levi purple toy that I'm thinking of. It has like I've a heard really of those. Love yeah. Levi. Fucking okay. love them. This okay. one like toy is a pointed tip at the end. I'm like, that's great. Cause the way I can move that around to exactly the spot that I want, I love. Uh-huh. And I also love an OG wand because that head is so big on a wand to like, 
everywhere feels stimulated at once. Oh. So I love those. And I also, I think WeVibe is also the brand that I have of like a suction toy that is powered by an app, which is my favorite. What? Yes. Hand Girl. that app to somebody else and just, you don't have to Stop. do They're just like going to town on it. That's crazy. All you That's have fun. to do is fold it in the same place and they do the work. So I love that too. That's also, okay. it's like a, yes. So big fan of that brand of WeVibe. WeVibe. Okay. I've heard of, I've heard of WeVibe and I was like, hmm. And, uh, it's funny because, uh, Thank you for sharing that because I, I really like it. Made me remind me of certain things. You said wand, but then you said that big, the one with the big um, head on there, mm-hmm. and um, that's like your classic. I don't know for how it's like, just the big, yeah, Hitachi, yeah, yeah. It's like it's kind of it's got it's like white with like a bluish probably like head. That's usually yes. like the one that you see, and then that one. So, do you, are you using that like on your arm, or are you like kind of using it all over your body, or like how do you in Good that question. sense or? No, I only use it on my genitals. It's too, like, that has a, I don't even know how to describe it, but that vibration is different to me than a different, like, smaller toy that it's, like, too much on other parts of my body. Um, so I've used, like, other toys, like the WeVibe toy that I'm talking about. Like, that I'll use on, like, my nipples sometimes, but mm. only sometimes. It's just, like, I, to me, if I'm going to touch other areas of my body, I'd rather do it with my hands, personally. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm the same. Like, I'm very hands-on. I'm very handsy. Yes. But um, <clears throat> I found, like, one time I was, like, random as hell. And mm-hmm. I don't even know. It's, like, sometimes it kind of comes up and sometimes it doesn't. There's, like, a random spot on my foot. Ooh. Like, random. And it's, like, and only on one foot? <laughs> and I'm, like, <laughs> like, I'd be, like, yeah. It's, like, if you rub it the right way, I'd be, like, oh, okay, that, okay. It's like connected yeah. directly to like my jet. I don't know. It's I found it ran, like like it was just like oh wait my foot though. So yeah, it's just absolutely it's, the, the body is very interesting because you said nipple play, but like nipple play for me has never been like mm. I don't know maybe I don't know, but I have heard that some women like maybe after they've had like a baby that's changed. You know, mm. like I don't have children, so I'm like I wonder if that ever will change because like my nipples, I'm like yeah they're okay. It's okay. You can just. Yeah. They're there, like whatever. <laughs> yeah, isn't it wild? Like every like body, like literal body, is so fucking different. Like that's so just different. like we all have a body, but I'm like I could come alone from nipple simulation. So like it's just really? different, different people. Yeah, sometimes it's fun, like not to even like touch genitals at all. Not me. I can't really make myself come from my nipples necessarily, but somebody else can. Oh, that's so because I've I've definitely heard that. I'm like so I'm like really. Mm-hmm. It feels that good because that's just some, an area that never really right. felt sexual to me I mean like you know and like I said that might change who knows I don't know it's just personally right now it's just not for your girl but that's cool though I mean I mean I would love are you kidding me just play (laughs) one I'd be like fuck yeah let's go but you know we're not all blessed I guess (laughs) (laughs) we all have different journeys we all have different body parts so um well thank you for that and then we got medicates which yes. is obvious and then in this world we believe in psilocybin or cannabis mm-hmm. don't believe in big pharma really Love big <laughs> pharma. so um so yeah do you indulge are you a cannabis consumer i am a one hit wonder so if you don't pass me anything i am a one and done type of girl like, really oh yeah i have such a low tolerance for weed um, and I like oh. it that way. Like, I, cause I'm not a smoker I mean, like that, but I do love the act. <laughs> it's pen. 
as I take a puff of my vape. <laughs> I, I mean, I love the act of smoking. Sometimes I wish that I had a high, higher tolerance just so I could stay in the circle longer because it's just, ah. it is a very like peaceful feeling to do. But like, I am truly one hit and done. Otherwise, you will see me having a panic attack in the corner. So it's okay. like, I learned over the years that like, this is my tolerance. I, I can't use bongs. I don't really okay. prefer bowls. Like, I want a one hitter, a joint, or a blunt. Like, okay. That's good for me. But I do. What about edibles? What about edibles? Hell no. Oh, God. That's worse. (laughs) Because I could be sitting there and then three hours later, it smacks me at once. And I'm like, I am on the fucking floor. (laughs) So it's just not, not for me. But man, I just, so I, it's funny as hell. Like I can have the smallest amount of weed and it will last me so long. And everybody knows about me. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. I'm I'm set. I'm set for months. Um, but I do like shrooms. I particularly like them in the form of chocolates. I okay. also do not have a high tolerance for that either. So it doesn't take much for me. It's like, I'm like, I'm very cheap. I'm like a cheap date when it comes to drugs. Like, I used to say that too. Yeah. I used to say that too. I'm, like, I'm a cheap date, you know, like yes. I'm just, you know, a little one drink for me, one little edible for me. One, right. Yes. And then right. shrooms. Shrooms now, I'd love to. Okay, so with shrooms, do you notice a difference of feeling between the shrooms and like the wheat, like for you? Like, you know, they do have similar feelings to me, but to me, I can reach a higher point with shrooms that doesn't cause me a panic attack in the way that weed can uh-huh. for me personally. So, man, shrooms is just. I'm like, I'm like so grateful to shrooms and I, I'm still very new to them. I think the first time I tried shrooms was by myself maybe like October of 2021 so it's still like relatively new when I maybe do them every few months but I fucking love them like I man a journey a journey every time and I actually prefer to do it solo because then I feel like I don't Uh have to attune to anybody's energy I can have my own experience spiritually and like if that's me staring at a fucking plant for like two hours like no one's gonna ask me if I'm okay like I am okay I just don't want to be bothered (laughs) Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I've done it in group settings and that's, it's cute, but I will all, like, everyone at some point will be like, where's Kiana? And they lost me. Cause I've gone off by myself right. to sit behind a curtain and like, listen to this song with my eyes closed and go down a hole. So like, that's, that's my shit. I love that you said that too, because yeah, like I'll, cause I love to spa and shroom. Like I love like a, well, like I love a nice, or like a, oh. a hike or like a nice, like, cre- you know, like something like very like nature meditative you know like in spa for me like I don't go to the club and shroom like I can't oh no no I can't cannot I would be so mean because I feel like I become really a bitch when I'm on shrooms I feel like I'm very mean when I'm on shrooms because yeah I'm like I don't want to be around people I just want to be like alone like I can like I can take my partner but like literally honestly I just like like we'll go to king spa and then I'll do shrooms there and I'll just go and find a, like a hole somewhere, just be by myself. <laughs> and it's great. It's great. Yeah, it's fucking so, love Kingspa. But it's like so busy now. So let's talk about how it's so busy now at Kingspa and it's annoying. I Even hate on a it. weekday, like you can't escape. It's busy all the time, not just the it's weekends. It's annoying. I'm like, yeah. I tried, girl, I went on a Saturday the other day and I... <gasps> No. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I I know because I couldn't stay very long. So I just I had, but my body, I had I had to do body work because of pole. Like yeah. So I just went in there, did the saunas, did did what we needed to do, and got out of there because it was did. so annoying in there. I was like, Ugh, mm-hmm. go home. <laughs> Everybody, go home. This is for me. Why do you know Why about this place? Home? 
Oh, no, because they bring their whole families, they're kikiing and laughing in the fucking. I'm like, I, I want to be quiet and zone out. You're fucking talking. It's so annoying. Anyways, look at me. Sorry, trauma there. No Trigger, sorry, but... it's okay. <laughs> well, that's okay. So I'm like, yeah, I love that you said because like so weed and shrooms. So you're a cheap date. That's amazing. Yes. And your tolerance. So even with you with weed, and if you ever did, you ever at one point smoke it consistently, where like your tolerance went up a little bit, or or no, it was always a the same. little bit. I've had some partners in the past who smoke a lot, um, and. That's, I was always like, good for you. Like you, like everybody again is so different where I'd be like, how do they do it? And like, for some people it's like a desire and other people it is a straight up need for like chronic pain and medical pain or mental health or whatever it is. And so I'm not like, I'm not a, I just don't think about weed on a day-to-day basis. So if, if I'm around it, then I will take a pull, but like, I don't think about it. So I'm not ever really buying it unless it's like for me and someone else and yeah, so like I think my tolerance went up a little bit where I became a two hit wonder at some point. But Kimbo, I never passed two hits. <laughs> like everybody knew really? to tap me out of the circle. Yes. Wow. And I was I also mean, like a like I called myself like a pillow princess when it came to weed because also like I'm not paying like I'm gonna take one hit and then dip like I will pay you in other ways but like please I know that's right I'm a pillow princess puffer for no, thank one you. thing yes. No, I love that. And I'm, I'm, I mean, high key, like if you don't, you're a cheap date. Like, yeah, weed is expensive yes. if you're buying it all the time. So I, I grow weed now because I'm like, listen, your girl loves it now and needs it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I use it medicinally as well. You know, I had a, for doing things like this or teaching pole dancing or being in like, I need cannabis to like tap yes. into all the Gemini placements that I have because bad bitch is yeah, but my Taurus can be very fine at home with her chickens <laughs> and her cats and away from the world. So I, it's like, you know, and my partner's a Cancer, so we both are like very homebody like yeah. and like just kind of like cozy up. And so we kind of like want to create almost like a little sanctuary so we could just be, you know, tucked away. So, but thank God for mm-hmm. my Gemini places to keep me social and being meeting amazing people like yourself. So I do love that too. I do love that too. So, mm-hmm. oh my God, this has been so much fun. This like, is cute. This is oh, cute. Super cute. Like, I want to have you back on. Like, I just love this. Like, <laughs> first back. of all, let's just talk about how amazing you are on, the, like, you are so, like, every question I've, you have an amazing answer for. Like, I could just tell you've been doing this for so long and mm-hmm. that you really, really do, like, you're passionate about what you do. You're knowledgeable for about you. You have real life experience. You know, you said you were a sex worker yourself. So, like, Mm -hmm. I love that all this comes from just multiple parts of yourself. And so, and it's like, and then, like, I don't know, I'm I'm pretty sure you've, like you said, like, you're not a sex therapist. You're not a uh, sex, or you are a sex therapist, but like you said, like, you don't have I'm not a sex therapist. That's why I use a different term. Because I'm like, I don't want nobody to confuse me. Right. And so, like, Mm -hmm. I just think that's, like, it's so annoying that, like, yeah, you're like, I don't want to go to school. I don't want to get that. But, like, for me, like, you're just so knowledgeable, you know, and it's like, why does it matter though? And I don't think it matters in a sense of like a license or not, but like, I mean, I'm sure to like whatever the worlds of like medicine it does, but yeah, I'm just it's saying like that, that white Western complex, right? Like, you right. know, degrees mean things. And at the same time, I think there's a place for both. Like, I have, right. honest to God, the most brilliant coworkers in the whole world who are sex therapists, and I see the difference in us. And I'm like, there's a need for both. Like, 
some people may need you for certain things that I cannot provide. And some people, it may feel more accessible to come to me and like have it feel different than therapy and like be in these sessions with me. So I'm like, I want us all to exist. I want us all to be out there, but I'm always trying to like make a voice for people who are not therapists, but are coaches to feel valid in the work that they do. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, I really do appreciate that. And I think that's super important because like you said, it's all fucking like, I have a degree right now. I don't even fucking use it. I have a fine arts <laughs> degree in fashion design. Do I fucking use it? No. You know what I mean? So what the fuck does it even matter? And, and, and like, you know, I'm, and I better get my student loans taken away. I bet. Come on, better. Biden. I bet. Girl, <laughs> I better. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's all I got to say about that. And so yes. I just think that, you know, there's different ways, like people learn differently. Like people are, I'm a visual learner myself, you know? And so with me and pole dancing, you know, like I started teaching pole because I loved it so much and I wanted to, sh- you know, create like a safe space mm-hmm. to, you know, have it more be more fun and not scary and not intimidating in a sense of like, holy shit, you know, I'm going to go on this pole and be half naked <laughs> and twerk and, and move my body in a way I've never... First of yes. all, I've never done before. And every everybody in society, my parents, maybe my religion or whatever, tells me not to. You know, like body rolls. I can't even tell you, Kiana, like body rolls are the hard, like that's the hardest thing to teach. Or like that's the, mo- that's the most difficult thing for, for some people to do is mm-hmm. just to roll their body like a chest, stomach, sit. You know, like that's. Yeah, like, but it's like they, like, they're, they're, they're upbringing or whatever they feel like they just like never felt like they can move that way or I don't know. So it's like, it's, I've, I've loved watching some students just kind of transform in my eyes and be like, wow, like you used to be so rigid and just be like, I can't. And then now you're just over here like, you know, it's, yes, it's wonderful. I mean, and you I'm were sure- out here doing the Lord's work truly. And by Lord, I mean, Audrey Lord, like you were out here doing the <laughs> Lord's work because yes. You know, every that. time I've been to your class, I have not seen the same person twice. And that just shows like how many people are finding your class that every time I've gone, I've met new people who in like some of them have been there before, but every time there is at least one person who is brand new. So I'm like, damn, like you'd be reaching the people. So I don't know what you're doing, <laughs> but keep doing what you're doing. Oh my God. I appreciate you saying that so, so much, girl. Like mm-hmm. that makes me feel so good to hear because honestly, I love to do it. And so if I can just create this space of just like mutual benefit, because it helps me too, you know, like, and I appreciate you saying that, you know, thank you so much. Yeah. You mm-hmm. like when I, when I have you in class, you're a vibe, you dance, you're not afraid, you know, you literally you. went back and did that Jamaican row backwards the other day. I was like, <laughs> I was I'm so excited. With you every time. I was like, Ooh, Ooh, I could really push it with her. She could dance. She could do it. We she could do it. <laughs> but I also want to be mindful too. Like this is your first class. I don't expect you to be able to do all these things. Cause you know, at the same time, this is difficult. Pole is not mm-hmm. easy. And, oh, hell no. You no. Know, yeah. It's, it's hard. It's hard. And people, you know, some people watch it on, you know, on their, on social media and they're like, Oh, I can do that. And then they get on the pole. They're like, wait, wait, Naman, wait, Naman. This is hot. What? You know, is this what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like to eat cause I'm a tourist, but I'm strong. <laughs> yes. Both and baby, both and. Okay. Both could be true at the same mm-hmm. time. So, and with that, honestly, Thank you so freaking much. Like, Kiana, you were one of the most amazing guests. Thank you. Um, And at this time, if you, anything that you can leave the listeners with, or if you want to plug anything last minute, please tell us where we can find you. Um, Yeah, let us know. Yeah. Yeah, I think I said it, but plugs is at healing is imperfect on Instagram. 
Um, and then if you want to book a session, you can email me Kiana at the And if you want to find some of my other like amazing, either educator colleagues or therapist colleagues, if you're looking for a therapist, you can go to at the expansive group on Instagram. Cause we have some dope ass people. Love that. Okay, guys, you heard that. And so I'll put these links in the show notes as well. That way you guys can go and check them out. So yes. I know I'm going to be looking because, listen, even though Come it's on. funny because it's like when I'm on the pole, like I tap into this other Kimbo. But, you know, sometimes it's hard being at home and being in your body, my Taurus self, like I'm over here like a completely different person sometimes. So, yeah, it, it definitely, you know, I think we all can um, all can. I think this could be useful for everyone just to kind of tap back into ourselves and just be in our bodies again and have conversations like yours with you and that just talk about just pleasure, you know, because everybody wants pleasure. Everybody, everybody does. And we deserve it. Shit. Yes. So. <laughs> well, Kiana, thank you so much. Um, this has been awesome. And guys, as always, you can find us at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, you can don't forget to leave us a rating and subscribe and share this episode if it resonates with you. Um, Kiana's amazing and please support her and book a session with her. So yeah. Hey. Yay. And then guys, I will see you guys next week. Thank you so much. Say bye. Bye. Kimbo out. Brought to you by the Rick Dog Network. <laughs> well, shoot the damn dog.